some noise for the Lord this morning. Amen. We're excited that you're here. And as we continue in worship this morning, we want to encourage you that, uh, that God's got a plan for our worship. And I was thinking this week uh, to the, uh, I guess it was Acts chapter 16. It's a story of Paul and Silas. They were proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and they got put into prison. And I would say it was a pretty low and dark day for them. But in the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this hurt and pain, they decided to worship God. They started singing hymns. And if you're familiar with the story, God does a, a work in a person's life and someone comes to know Jesus. And I just want to tell you that we have a choice when we're going through things in our life that we can either, you know, kind of keep it to ourselves, or we can decide to choose to sing hymns. We can sing worship and we can give our heart to God. And when we do this, how many people know that there's purpose whenever we act and when we begin to lift up God? So this morning, as we continue in worship, know that no matter what you're going through, God deserves our worship and he deserves everything that we have. How many people believe that this morning? Amen. Let's worship the Lord this morning.
crashes over me, crashes over me. You are for us, you are not against us. Champion of heaven, made a way for all to enter. Oh! 
Amen. Amen. Bless your name, Lord. continue our worship, but we want to make an opportunity to pray for you right in the midst of our service. How many know all of us have needs, struggles, problems? Well, listen, going to church is a place where you can come and bring those needs and problems to God. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33 that if we call unto God, He'll answer us and show us great and mighty things. That doesn't always imply He'll give us just what we ask for, but what it means is it draws us closer to Him and He sees us on the way through. Uh, but we're going to do that in just a moment. But right now, we want to take a minute and pray for America. How many know our nation is in trouble right now? How many know there's growing violence on the streets? There's cries for justice, uh, attacks. How many know the, Jesus is the Prince of Peace? And how many know what America really needs is not just a change in the Oval Office. What America really needs, come on, is Jesus to come to visit this nation. W what America needs is a spiritual awakening. And I want to tell you, people in the world can get along just like we get along in the house of God. People that are different than you, different than me. How I many know if we serve the same Savior, He can change our hearts. 
Could we just bow our heads just a minute and say, God, would you please come and visit America? Come on, just pray with me just a moment. Just let your prayer go out to God. God, we want to ask your forgiveness today for the violence that's erupting in our streets, the hatred, Lord, those that are fanning the flames. God, those that have been denied justice, we pray for them. But God, we pray, Lord, all sides of the issues today. We pray that, the, that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, would be recognized and exalted. And God, we ask you to bless every police officer on the streets today, endeavoring to provide protection. Lord, let no one have any motives other than to protect and serve. God, we just pray, Lord, that you would come and, and, and still the storm. We pray, Lord, that those that are intent on violence and those that are intent, Lord, of, of, of harming people, that somehow, Lord, you would cause their, that to be quelled within them and to silence them. God, we just pray that you would protect our children and don't let our children learn to hate, but God, let our kids learn to walk in the love of God. Come on, reach out to heaven with me just a moment and say, Lord, we need a spiritual awakening. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman watches in vain. And unless you, Lord, are received back in America, Lord, we're in great trouble. We say, come, Lord Jesus. We love you as millions of people across America. Come to this great nation, we pray in Jesus' name. We're going to continue in worship. Our prayer team is coming to the front now. And if you need prayer for anything, come let us pray for you.
praise in this place this morning. It's all about him, amen. He's worthy of all our praise and worship. Lord, we bless your name, Jesus. What a great God you are. We serve an awesome God. Hey, well, why don't you greet your neighbor this morning? Give him a high five. Tell him how happy you are to see him in the house of the Lord. Welcome to Church on the Rock. We're so happy you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you are a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can take it across the hall to the Connect Room where you will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. So glad you're here, and we hope you know that there's always a place for you at Church on the Rock. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. This is our city. We live here. We work here. Our children grow up here. It's a part of us, a piece of who we are. Half Texas, half Arkansas, one city. We love Texarkana, but sometimes we wonder, is Texarkana too far gone? Can anything be done to help change our city? No, not by might, not by power, but only by the Spirit of the Lord. July 18th through the 24th is Bless Our City Week, an entire week of active impact to bless Texarkana, reaching out to the elderly, the homeless, police officers, firefighters, and the entire community. Pick up a flyer to see how you can individually be a blessing every day of the week, and what COTR will be doing corporately that you can join 
with it all leading up to our community-wide Bless Our City rally in Spring Lake Park on Friday the 22nd. Join us as we bless our city. Amen. You know, I believe this is a prophetic event that the Lord has put in our hearts to do. It started a couple months ago, and you can look at the timing of this. Uh, this is a time we need to bless our city. This is a time we need to show the love of God to our city. And you've got the little flyer. And so there's a track that you can individually look for ways every day to bless somebody. And it's got a list of things you do, whether pray for people or just bless them with a gift card or a meal. But the corporate side, there's three big nights we're doing. Uh, Tuesday and Thursday are rallies that we're doing in different apartment complexes, and we need your help, first of all, just to set up games and run games and make it a fun event. Uh, we'll have testimonies where they hear the gospel. And Friday, a big rally at the park. Everybody can come out during that rally and just show support as we have policemen out there and firemen out there. A matter of fact, on Tuesday... The policemen, all the Texas and Arkansas, and the firemen will all get a packet from our church with some goodies in, but the policemen will all get a dog tag that has a scripture, Joshua 1.8, on the back, and the firemen will get a coin that has a scripture on the back, and they will get a voucher for a free meal anytime Tuesday at uh, Chicken Express. And so we want to really bless our city in a tangible way. And so if you'd like to help when the offering comes around, if you just like to be a part of that, just write bless our city, whether it's $10 to help sponsor a policeman or a fireman. I mean, it's going to take thousands of dollars to pull this off. So any way you can help and be involved, sign up on that card out there uh, to volunteer so we can schedule you and so we can really have a great event and bless our city. How many know our city needs blessed? Amen. And God needs people to do it. So hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hey, bring that mic over here. We're going to dedicate this young man to the Lord today. Whoa. Whoa. I'm going to show him off. Introduce this little baby. This is Drake Allen Jackson. Uh, this is my family here. I got my wife, Ashley Jackson, uh, her grandmother, Miss Rita, my mom, Pam, Alex, her mother, Miss Paula, uh, Ashley's mom, Miss Paula, <laughs> uh, her brother, Jimmy, and niece, Shay. Okay. Have they got your own screen? What do you want to say to these people? Well, he's thinking. Yeah, some of them are funny looking, but we love them. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're all nice people out there. They're part of the solution to the world's problems because we have Jesus just like you. You know... There's a lot of fear in the world. You look at a little child and you say, what kind of world are we giving this little baby? But you know, when little baby Moses came along, God used that child as a deliverer. When Jesus came along, he changed the world. When King David was born, he would one day have the greatest dynasty that Israel ever knew. He was a man after God's own heart. And just as the world is filled with problems, God's always bigger than the problems. He's always bigger than evil and darkness. And we want to believe with you that you're going to be able to raise this little boy to be a, a light in a dark world. But you know, you have to nurture it. It's like, it's, like, it's like a fire. You can't just sit there perpetually. You have to put wood on it. You have to tend it. And as you tend the heart of this little boy, he's going to grow up to be a godly young man. And we just want to bless him today. We, we want to bless this little boy. Come on, just lift your hand towards him. I need to give him back. Lord, I just want to pray this little boy is going to grow up to be the man that you called him to be. Lord, that he grows up in a world. Lord Jesus, it may be trouble, but God is a good God. 
So bless mom and dad. Let there always be love in the home. Let there always be provision on the table. And Lord, give them God wisdom to God, this young man. So we bless this family today in Jesus' name as we dedicate this child to God in Jesus' name. Amen. Give them a big hand. God bless you guys. Hey, Wednesday night, we're having kind of a family night, our service. It's going to be a movie night here in the sanctuary. It starts at 6.30, so you need to be here a little early. We'll have some uh, snacks and sodas in the middle of it. And it's, uh, as you saw on the screen, it's kind of a surfer movie, but it's a true story about a young man who was kind of pursuing different things, uh, ended up uh, dying from, je- from a jellyfish bite, and after 15 minutes was put in the morgue and then came back to life after he had an encounter with, heavenly encounter with Jesus. So it should be a pretty good movie. And that's at 6.30. The children are actually at camp. Pray for them. And so the other children will be in here in the sanctuary with us. Yeah, and we would also like to remind you, if you're not receiving emails or texts from us, just general information about our services and events that we have going on, you can take this a red card in the seat back in front of you, fill it out, and drop it in the offering as it's coming by, and we'll be sure to get you added to that just so we can keep you updated. And then also, I'd like to let you know, our Powerhouse Youth Department is getting ready to take around 55 students to Panama City Beach, Florida, here in around 19 days. We have several students that are still in need of sponsorships, and today, actually. They're going to be in the foyer selling casseroles. Our, uh, our students didn't make them, so they're safe to, uh, to buy and to eat. They're going to be awesome. Uh, but, man, I do want to say that this is a fertile soil for you to sow into. And every year we take students that are, you know, wanting to go catch some rays and have fun on the beach, and uh, they get radically changed by the love of God. And uh, so that's what we're believing this year. So we would, uh, we would appreciate and love your support and, and also your encouragement through prayers. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Give it up for Cole. He's doing a great job with our youth. Amen. What's offering time? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 14. And I think you're familiar with the story. The Bible says that Jesus, he goes to Simon the leper's house and he's eating and he's actually lounging after he eats. His disciples are there. There's some uh, just people of the law that are there as well. And the Bible says that this woman comes in. We later find out her name is Mary. And she takes this costly bottle of perfume and she pours it all over Jesus and she begins to worship Jesus. Well, the people around Jesus, the Pharisees, and the disciples are kind of mystified. Why is she wasting this expensive bottle of perfume? And Jesus basically says this, hey, do not be mad at her because she has done something great. And in verse 8, I want you to look at this. He says this of the woman, she has done what she could. Listen, this woman didn't do anything else except what she could do. She gave what she had. And I feel like a lot of times as as followers, as Christians, there's things that we want to do and we say, God, if you would just give me extra money, I would bless the poor or I would do this. Listen, God's not looking for us to give anything that we don't have. He wants us to give what we do have. Amen? And then he says this in verse 9, Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, uh, what she has done will be told in her memory. Isn't that great? What we remember about her is not what kind of, you know, car she had or clothes she had or her job. We're remembering her because she gave. And she gave what she could. Amen? And here a few thousand years later, we're talking about her because she was a giver. I want to challenge you with two things today. Number one, let's give what we can. Not something that we can't, but what do we have that we can give? And number two, let's do it cheerfully and let's do it with a good heart. Amen? God bless you as you give.
can say that. I've been redeemed. I've been bought back from the slavery of sin. I belong to Jesus. Come on, one more big hand for the Lord today. He's our hero. Praise the Lord. Hey, before you sit down, why don't you tell your neighbor, I'm glad we're sitting near each other today. Well, if you have your Bible, turn to Matthew 24. We've been doing a series now called The Final Chapter living in the last days. It's a pretty serious message, but I heard a pretty funny joke about it between services, so Grace tells jokes better than me, so go ahead. Okay, after an impassioned sermon on death and final judgments, this pastor says, um, every member of this church is going to die and face final judgments. Well, the guy in the front row, he's just smiling. He's, the pastor says it again. Every member of this church will die and face final judgments. Well, the guy, he just keeps smiling. He, his smile just gets bigger. And the pastor says it over and over again. Every time he says it, the guy's smile gets bigger. So after service, the pastor makes a beeline for the guy. Troubled, he asks, um, why were you smiling? He said, because I'm not a member of this church. <laughs> You did great. Well, I'm glad I'm a member of this church. And anyone not a member of this church is going to face final judgment one day. <laughs> okay, this, today we're going to go to Matthew, see what Jesus said about the last days. Uh, Matthew chapter 24 and 5, collectively called the Olivet Discourse, because Jesus spoke these words in the Mount of Olives to his disciples. Uh, Jesus is painting a picture. And of course, in the Gospel of Matthew, you might understand that book. There's five big blocks of teaching in Matthew, and this is the last one that he talks about as he look to looks towards his Passion Week. Uh, it's my intent to do chapter 24 this week, and I had planned to do 25 next week. But we may put it off a week if racial violence tends to escalate in America. We may have a good heart-to-heart -heart next week about violence and hatred and the church's role bringing peace to America. So we'll just see about that. But Matthew 24, let's begin there. Jesus, uh, again, he's with his disciples. And the first thing, as we'll see today, is he predicts the destruction of the Jewish temple. Now, if you want to read what Jesus said, it's Matthew 24, but virtually Mark 13 and Luke 21 are parallel passages. All three of those Gospels tell this same story uh, in somewhat different ways. But verse 1, Jesus leaves the temple area. And when His disciples came to point out to Him the buildings of the temple, Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. 
So mind you now, they're walking through the temple complex, this place of worship, this great temple that's there. Many buildings are surrounding it, walls surround to protect the city. And Jesus basically walks out and says, hey, look, one day all this is going to be dashed to the ground. It was a prophecy. It was a prediction. Uh, this is towards the end of Jesus' life. It's, near, it's in the, uh, some A.D. 30, 31, 32. But what Jesus will, actually it's towards the end, just before he died, but what Jesus is saying, in about 40 years, this city is going to be wiped out. It was fulfilled when the Roman general Titus came. A Jewish revolt emerged. It was still a Jewish-controlled city. And when the Romans came in, they destroyed the temple. And significantly, this was the end of the Jewish state until it reemerged in 1948. Now this little sliver of land in the Middle East, home to some 6 million Jews, is a place that is almost the focal point of the world. As when we read the book of Revelation, we see once again the Jewish people become, the, 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 uh, in Jerusalem, becomes a focal place in God's, uh, uh, what he's doing on the earth. Luke added to this prophecy in Luke 21, he even predicted there, Jesus said, you're going to see armies all around Jerusalem. You'll know it will soon be destroyed. One more validation of Christ and his supremacy that he was able to predict the future. Now let's go to verse 3 as we focus on the main thrust of the message Signs of the end of the age and the second coming of Christ. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? In other words, when will this temple area be destroyed? But notice they said, What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered this. It's interesting. He said, See that no one leads you astray. Don't be deceived. So Jesus is not giving us a sequence of events. He's not telling us uh, uh, who the Antichrist is going to be. But basically he's saying, I want you to watch the way you're living in these last days. Yes, you see, because even if you knew who the Antichrist was, I mean, no, you can't do anything about it. But I can make choices every day in terms of how I'm living and how I'm preparing for the second coming of Christ. I suggest to you there's not a, greater, uh, not a great enough awareness of Christ's second coming in the modern Christian. Amen. I suggest to you, we, we know it's there, it's going to happen, but it just kind of gets lost in everything. Uh, for example, did you know that they're going to, I read just this past week, I read that they're going to build an, uh, a new restaurant, this uh, old uh, office depot where there was a furniture store, and it's in, owned by the same chain that owns Texas Roadhouse. Now, how many know, if it's going to be as good as Texas Roadhouse, it's going to be good. I mean, it's going to be burgers, it's going to be pizza. And you know, if you've heard about, the, uh, uh, heard about the Razorbacks this year, listen, they've got some new defensive backs. I'm telling you what, they're going to be picking passes in the SEC. It is going to be a team to watch that's going to make a difference. And of course, Jesus is coming back one day. It's going to be pretty cool. I mean, you're going to know it. It's going to be there. But have you got that new iPhone? I'm talking about the big one. I'm not talking about the little ones you can barely see. I'm telling you, when I get a new phone, when my time is up to renew, I'm going to get that big one. How many want one of those big ones? No. But isn't that how the second coming, it just kind of gets in there with hamburgers and football and iPhones and, and everything else, and somehow the most momentous moment of our life wow. escapes us. My wife had breast cancer several years ago. Praise the Lord, she's cancer-free. But when it became clear she was going to have to have surgery, 
It was probably 10 days or so. We didn't know who the surgeon would be, what she was going to do, where she was going to go. But every day of our life revolved around that. We'd wake up in the morning and the first thing on our mind is, what doctor do we have to see? Who are we going to call? We're trying to work. We're trying to go about busy. She's cooking, but tears are coming down her eyes as she's cooking. We do a lot of holding each other even in bed. There's a, there, there's a whimper because it, it's, our whole life is looking forward to this day. And I remember when they let me go back to where she was after the surgery and she was still groggy and, you know, you know just having a hard time coming out of anesthesia. We were in the room there for a couple. It's like everything revolved around this big event that's coming. And that's the perspective I suggest to you that we should have as we live in the last days. Now, there's different interpretations about the sequence of end time events. There's questions about whether Christians will be on the earth when the worst comes in the Great Tribulation. Uh, the Spirit-Filled Life Bible in the introduction of the book of Revelation has nine or ten possibilities. There's a pre-trib rapture, a mid-trib rapture, a, a post-trib rapture. There's all these different theories. And my intent is, is not to preach this as telling you the right one. I don't presume to know, to know that. But what I intend to do is I want to encourage you to, 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 to let's put our feet in the shoes of the people that are going to be alive here. Let's, let's examine this as if we were living through what Jesus is talking about. Because how many know if you're a Christian today in a Muslim nation, how many know it's not getting much worse? Not much worse can happen than you losing your home, losing your kid, losing your wife, if you happen to be baptized to follow Christ. Now, the first thing Jesus said, very important, is he talked about deception. He said, be careful, many false Christs will come. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ means Messiah, it's deliverer, it means the anointed one. And what Jesus is saying is in these last days, many people, and it could be religious leaders, it could be political leaders. It seems like increasingly as the world becomes more uh, uh, unstable and uncertain, we're looking to leaders. We're looking to presidents. Some nations look to dictators to help us, to save us. Well, that's what's going to happen. One day there's going to be a ruler called the Antichrist that's going to rise up in the world and tell all the world, I have the answers to your problems. But the deal is you can't buy or sell, the book of Revelation says, unless you have my mark on your hand or on your forehead. Uh, as we talk about these, these false Christs, I asked the God of Google to how many modern-day messiahs there were. And naturally, they led me first to Wikipedia, who told me there were 16 false Jewish messiahs, 16, 32 false Christian messiahs. I found one I thought I would share with you. His name is Alan John Miller. No relation. He's a former Jehovah Witness elder, and he founded Divine Truth. You can just look it on the internet today, Divine Truth, and call him BJ, I think, or AJ, AJ and Divine Truth. But he's there in Australia. He's got YouTube videos. Uh, the only thing about it is he claims to be Jesus of Nazareth through reincarnation. And he has hundreds, if not thousands, of people that follow him. Many people are living in a communal context. And he said, I am Jesus on earth. And people are going, wow, okay, cool, dude. I mean, like, all right, like, like, yeah. So how do you know if he is or how do you know if he isn't? Well, how about look at the Bible? Come on now. When Jesus went to heaven, the angel said, Why are you looking into heaven? This same Jesus will come back in the clouds the same way you saw him go. So 
If we know our Bibles, the Bible gives us uh, uh, the identity of truth. It gives us the ability to separate the true from the false. I apologize, it's a little warmer. We're, when we preach about hell, we make it hot in the room. And I, it, 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 uh, no, we had a compressor go out, but it's, uh, it, it's, uh, we'll, we'll have it fixed next week. But look at verse 9. Jesus said this. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, verse 6. Jesus said, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. Some translation says there will be war and strife, civil strife everywhere. But don't be alarmed, for this must take place, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. These are but the beginning of birth pains. What Jesus is saying is, you know, there's been wars going on since the beginning of time. I tried to find out how many was, were going on today, and Google didn't help me too much. I did learn that there's 134 nations of the world that the United States military has active military involved in, 134. Uh, one place that there's 46 wars going on now. But I suggest to you, there's a civil war brewing in America today. There's a strife in our society that seems to be just coming up, what we observed in Dallas and across America today. Uh, Jesus said this is not the end, but it's a warning. Perhaps over the hundreds of earthquakes in Oklahoma, right up the street there. Because you read all the time about how, how buildings in Memphis have been and, and the bridges across the Mississippi have been supported because of the fear of the New Madrid fault. But it, it's like all this stuff is happening around the world. Now, verse 9, Jesus says, uh, they're going to deliver you up to tribulation. Now, I want you to stay with me. These next four or five verses are probably the meat of the message in terms to how we might respond. They will deliver you to tribulation or persecution. They'll put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. If there is a characteristic of the last days, this battle between good and evil, between Satan and God that's been going on since the Garden of Eden is coming to a head. And you and I are caught in the middle. But what interests me is that because of the persecution and, and martyrdom and death and hatred, it says, verse 10, many will fall away. The word is apostasy. Many will follow it. Many. Many Christians will, will not believe. Uh, Jesus said we would betray each other. We'd hate each other. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the promise is the one who endures to the end will be saved. How many endurers in the room here? Let me see your hand here. Yeah. Let's go back and talk about this. One translation says the entire world will hate you because you're my followers. Entire world will hate you. And I don't know about you, but I want people to like me. The entire world will hate you. And the tragedy is many will stop believing in me. Many will give up. Many will betray the same word that's used of what Judas did to Christ. Jesus even told us this, that there would be even be in families. There would be a, 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 a mother would betray her children and, and a husband would betray his wife. How could this happen? Now, I don't know about you, but I, I really like what my plastic cards in my billfold do. I like that after church today, my wife and I can look at ourselves and say, where do you want to go to eat? The question is not, are we going to eat? You know, honey, did anyone invite you to their house for lunch? No. Nobody invited me. I'm just teasing now, okay? 
But I just like the fact that we can look at each other and say, Mexican, Italian, you know, Red Lobster, wherever you want, steak, we'll go. And you just go in there, and it's so nice. You just put that little card on the table, and they smile at you, and they're extra nice, and they give you candies, and you go. And then if you decide you want ice cream, you do that too, and you just take that little card, and you just, you just do that. And you go home to your house, and you say... Well, it's not quite cool enough in here. And you set the air conditioner, and you might even get a sweater because it's so cool when it's 100 degrees outside. And, and, and I like driving my car there. But what happened one day if I no longer had the plastic card? Because I won't be able to buy or sell without the mark of the beast. Come on. What would happen one day if I were to lose my job because I am a Christian? I'm fired because somehow society has made me the source of the problems like Nero did in Rome when he burned Christians alive at the stake because of the failures that were going on in the Roman Empire. What would happen? What would I do at that point? Would I stop believing? Would I stop following Christ? Jesus said many people will. Many people will. Many will betray other people. I've never, I've never been hungry in my life. Now, I fasted a little bit, but I've never been hungry. When my grandparents immigrated from Latvia in World War II. They went across Europe, and they often didn't have any food. Or they would have a piece of bread or two to share with their family and another hungry family with them. I've never been hungry in my life. But what would I do if I was hungry in life? Would I betray someone? Would I, would I even express a hatred towards someone? What if there was a list going around like there are in countries today trying to find out who the Christians are and you cannot keep your job unless you tell us who they are and where they are and who their friends are and if you do this, you'll be able to work and you'll be able to have food. What would I do? Jesus said this is going to happen in the last days. And I want to do two things. I want to make it a little uncertain in your life. How many know even Peter betrayed Christ three times? But I want to tell you, listen, that Stephen, when Stephen the deacon was stoned, he said he looked up to heaven and he said, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, how could he do that? If the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, come on, he will quicken your mortal body. So I don't want to make you afraid of the future, but I want to shake you a little bit. And I want to tell you, there's something more important than Bubba's hamburgers coming to town. It is the second coming of Christ. Notice what he says. He said, many's going to fall away. Uh, many false prophets will arise and lead people astray. This is the second warning against deception. The first time it was the false Christ. Now it's the false prophet. A false prophet is someone who says they speak God's word, but don't. This warning was echoed in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 20. Paul told the Ephesian elders, he said, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, listen, not sparing the flock of believers. Some men will arise from your own group, and they'll rise up, and they will do what? Distort the truth in order to draw a following. What does Jesus say? There are people that want to pull you away, come on, from the security of those that walk with Christ. Listen, if you ever go to a Bible study or a group, and, 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 and it's got some, here's the thing about it. These teachers have knowledge. These false prophets have an anointing. They have ability. They may even have gifts in their lives. But if they tell you something like this, oh, listen, 
Now listen, we're going to say some things. God gave me a vision about you, and, and I had a dream about you, and let me tell you what he said about your future. But I don't want you to tell anybody, you know, back at your church. Don't, don't, don't go talking to an elder about this, because you see, we've got something special over here. You need to run out of that place. Because what the false teacher will do, the false teacher for their own needs will draw people to themselves. Listen, a good leader reflects, reflects the attention of people off him or herself to Christ. A false leader will say, follow me. And you get in trouble. Jesus said they're coming. Notice what else he said in these last days. He said, because lawlessness will be increased. What is lawlessness? It means to live without a moral code. It is to behave with complete disregard for the laws of society. One translation says more and more people will be doing wicked things everywhere. Did we not just see this on all areas of the social spectrum this week? Did we not observe this in Dallas? A shooter shooting innocent people, some of whose comrades across the nation could have done things wrong racially as a policeman in authority, but yet these men, nobody even knew them, but yet they were summarily executed. So, listen, violence is not in your Bible. Violence to accomplish, come on, the means of Christ. Peter tried to do that. He, he took up a sword and he chopped off somebody's ear in the garden when they arrested Jesus. Jesus healed his ear and said, stop that. You don't understand. We're not like that. It's a lawless behavior, and people may say to you, jump on board with me. Choose your race over your Christian belief. I suggest to you I'm a Christian before I'm a white man, a, a Hispanic, before I'm an Asian, before I'm an African-American. I'm a Christian. But we jump from the streets to the highest levels of political authority in America. And we watched our FBI director tell us all the things that Mrs. Clinton had done wrong as Secretary of State and all the laws that she's broken. But then he said, she didn't mean to do it, so it's okay. And all of America looked at that. Listen, whether, listen forget if you're a Democrat or Republican, just a second. You look at that and you say, I guess there's a different set of standards. I guess there's a different set of laws that if you get high enough in political power, it doesn't really matter. And I tell you, friend, it's lawlessness. But Jesus told us this. He said, because lawlessness will be everywhere, the love of many will grow cold. Now, I don't understand this. I don't know if it means the, the love that we have for people will grow cold because there's so much wickedness, or our love for God will grow cold, but somehow the wickedness in the world will affect me and my capacity to love I think, thank you, Lord, we need some rain. I think the greatest thing that you and I can do now to help quell the violence in America is to love people that are different from us, to go out of our way today, to look people in the eyes in the Walmart and say, God bless you today, to reach out and extend a hand. Come on. Lawlessness. But Jesus said this. He made this promise. He said, the one who endures to the end will be saved. He'll be delivered. He will be protected from God's wrath at judgment. This word endure means to be faithful to God when persecution or suffering comes. We need to set our mentality today that if I have a loss for Christ, I'm going to suck it up and go. 
To be endure means to stand firm against the false prophet, to not give in. It means to show love in a world where evil is constantly spreading. Listen, you may make a Christian comment on Facebook trying to quell the violence and they may call you a name because of that. Because in America today, I read a post just like this. And this poor girl, bless her heart, thousands of views. But she's sitting in the car and she said, you know, she's an African-American girl. She said, I'm about to say something. She said, but if I say what I think and I, and I make that thing, I know, peop- I, I know people are going to be against me. And and she said, if I get over here, I'm going to get attacked from the people over there. And if I'm over here, that's where some want me to be, but I believe it's right to be over here. There's a wall. There's a barrier. I mean, no, we need to choose the right thing. We need to choose the right thing. Let's keep moving. Verse 14. To me, this is the anchor of the... This anchors my end-time theology. He said, the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The arrival of the Antichrist is not the one I'm looking for. I'm looking for the gospel, come on, to go to the ends of the earth. Listen, I'm looking to share my faith. I'm looking to invite people to church in Texarkana. I'm looking to witness to my neighbors. I'm looking to populate heaven. Come on, I'm looking to do everything I can. Because that's what the great barometer was. It is the great commission when Jesus said, Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Paul the Apostle said this, I want to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. And if that's new to you, if you don't know how to do that, what Pastor Mike was talking about earlier, that bless our city. I think it's the right time to do something like this. I think the church needs to get out of the four walls, come on, and get into the streets of our city, into our neighborhoods, our schools. And this is a way, listen, we'll teach you this. Now look at verse 15, it gets troubling. The great tribulation. When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel some six, seven hundred years earlier, Standing in the holy place, standing in the Jewish temple. He said, if you're in Judea, flee to the mountains, get out of there. The book of Daniel is filled with this. Now, other translations say, when you see the sacrilegious act, the blasphemous object that causes desecration in the holy place. This word, these are hard words, they're abstract. Abomination means disgusting and detestable. Desolation means devastation, destruction. When you see this disgusting thing in God's temple, get out of town. Now, here's where scholars disagree. If you have an ESV study Bible, that's my favorite now. I've got a lot. But its notes say this was fulfilled in 70 A.D. when General Titus came in. Uh, Some believe that perhaps he desecrated the Jewish temple before he destroyed it. But others believe that the temple will be rebuilt in Jerusalem in the last days. Others believe that the Antichrist, a world dictator, will stop Jewish worship and set up an image of himself to be worshipped. Now, I think 2 Thessalonians 2 gives us insight. Paul said, concerning the coming of our Lord, second coming, don't let anyone deceive you in any way. Again, the same words. Listen, friends, if you don't read your Bible, how are you going to keep from being deceived? If you don't know the Word of God, you say, well, I'll listen to you. Well, how are you going to know if I'm deceived or not? Listen, don't be deceived. For that day, the second coming is not coming unless the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness. This is the Antichrist. 
He's going to be revealed. He's doomed to destruction. Listen, he's going to oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped. So he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Now this does not seem to have happened. I suggest it is a coming day. Verse 23, mind you now, there's tribulation, there's trouble, the Antichrist is here, there's famine. There's a worldwide pressure that if you don't take the mark of the beast, you cannot buy or sell, which means you can't eat, you can't do commerce. Well, I've got stuff stored up, preacher. Somebody will take it away from you, person. I've got guns, preacher. They may have more guns. And what are you going to do if you get older and forget where you put all the stuff? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Listen, I believe you need to have some extra food and stuff. Listen, I believe you need to defend yourself, okay? I don't believe you need to expect, come on, that the truck at Walmart's going to fill it up with groceries every day because one day it may not. Come on now. That's a phenomenon in the last hundred years in America where you didn't have to take care of yourself. But at some point, you cannot do enough to take care of yourself. If anyone says to you in that time, look, here's the Christ, don't believe it. Now, why wouldn't you believe it? If somebody, he's going to say, false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if it were possible, even the elect. Wow, did you hear? There's this prophetess. Or there's this prophet over in this, this group, this church, this house, this place. And, 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 and they told me everything about me and they predicted my future. And it was so bad. And, 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 and did you know that he even gave me food and I watched it. It was a bag and it just pulled it out just like Jesus did. When he fed the people, the four and five thousand men with loaves and fishes. Believe the Bible, don't believe the sign. If they say to you, look, Jesus is in the wilderness, if he's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. In other words, if Christ comes secretly, if he's hidden somewhere, it's a lie. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now this is the third warning about deception, this time because of supernatural acts. Just because something is supernatural doesn't mean it's God. You remember in Moses' day, you remember the, the, uh, uh, Moses uh, when he would, put, uh, he would uh, the Egyptians, and they would do the same supernatural things that he could do, but all of a sudden they played the king of trumps, and Moses played the ace, and they couldn't follow that. Come on, somebody say God is bigger. So the second coming won't be to a select few or hidden like his birth, but like lightning, it'll be sudden and universal, and everyone will see. Now look at verse 29 as we head to the end. The second coming of Christ. After the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. Stars will fall from heaven. There's going to be a cosmic transformation. We learned this last week in 2 Peter 3, that there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Peter, the apostle, you remember on the day of Pentecost, he said the moon will become like blood. The, the sun will be darkened. All this is happening. Verse 30, then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. That's Jesus. But in this odd, all the tribes of the earth will mourn 
when they see Jesus coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. But oh, verse 31, he's sending out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect. So what's going on there, preacher? That means some people will live with utter disregard for Christ and when he comes, they'll be sickened and sad because they didn't believe the truth. But others like you and I, come on now, others like you and I <laughs> will say, it's not just something I believe. It's not just something my grandma told me when I was a kid. I see Jesus face to face. Look at him. There he is, the Son of God on a great white horse. Listen, you're going to see him. You're going to see your relatives, the dead that have died. The Bible says the dead in Christ will rise. You'll see your grandma. You'll see your children. You're buried in Christ. You'll see your dead loved ones again. My friends, there's a day coming when everything is going to change. That's more important than Bubba's burger and pizza. 2 Thessalonians 1, Paul said, actually, uh, let's, let's move on. We need to wrap this up. Verse 36, no one knows the day or the hour. There's something about people we want to predict. Jesus said this, concerning the day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven nor the Son in His humanity, but the Father only. Has anyone, were you serving the Lord back in 1988? It was a book that was published. It's called 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. True story. My, life, my wife and I, we lived in California, in San Jose. There was a church in town that literally printed up truckloads of those books. A large church giving them out. Now, someone, and you know, you've seen these people. They're into numerology, they're into history, and all these things, and they have it all figured out. Listen, the Bible is not a jigsaw puzzle, come on, where every piece fits in like this. Sometimes the Bible just bumps up against itself. How in the world can you understand a loving God and a just God and free will and predestination? Come on now. There's some things that just, they're just kind of, they're just, they're there and they make you a little uncomfortable. But the Bible is not intended to be a jigsaw puzzle that everything, so you can predict the exact moment. Jesus said it's foolish. For as were the days of Noah, this is what you need to be concerned about. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. In those days before the flood, they were going to Bubba's, they were ordering iPhones, they were going to work. No, they're eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. It just simply means life is normal until the day Noah entered the ark. He preached to them some 60 to 100 years, and they were unaware until the flood came, that's judgment, and swept them all away. And then Jesus Christ said this, So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one taken and one left. This taken or left implies one's going to final judgment, one's going to salvation. Don't believe the lie that you'll get right with God. Come on, on judgment day. Don't believe the lie that says you'll get right with God before you die. That day, it may not come to you. The Bible says now, today is the day of salvation. Our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. Verse 42, I'll close with this. Always be ready. Can you say that with me? Always be ready. Always be ready. Because you don't know the day 
that your Lord will come. You see, even as we walk through the chapter today, we may say, yeah, well, this hadn't happened and that hadn't happened, so I'm not going to start serving God until I get older. After all, I want to have some fun. Come on. I'm not going to start serving God and, until, uh, until I build my business. I'm not going to start serving God until I get filled with fill, uh, my school gets done. Don't do it. Always be ready. Because you and I are not guaranteed our next breath or the next beating of our heart. But we live as if tomorrow will be like today because today was like yesterday. But Jesus said, one day the Son of Man will come back to earth. Come on. And he will reign as King of kings and Lord of lords. Give him a big hand today. Let me summarize how to be ready. It's more than a feeling. It's a lifestyle. I remain ready to the Lord by number one, as Jesus said three times, don't be deceived. Know the Bible, live the Bible, be deliberate, be under spiritual covering. Number two, endure persecution if it comes. Set in your mind today that something's more important than the stuff. Listen, friend, set in your mind, and like I said in mine, I'll keep on loving people even if the world gets worse and worse. Then no matter what happens in the world, I'm going to keep believing in Jesus and following Him. I will not let a lawless society, I don't care what I see on the news I don't care what I read on the Internet. I don't care what happens in my city. Listen, I'm not going to barricade myself in my house and pull away from society and culture. I'm going to preach the gospel to everyone. I'm not going to move away to the hills of wherever. Listen, friends, I am deliberate on a mission from God. And Jesus said, when the gospel goes to all the earth, then the end is coming. How many want to be ready for that today? Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet with me today and don't think about Bubba's yet. But will we, could we pause just a minute and, and just bow our heads and say, okay, Lord, now what? Preacher this morning has walked me through a chapter of the Bible when Jesus talked about the last days. Your heart of hearts, are you ready? Are you living the life today that you want to be living? Are you living the life that God's called you to live? Are you living the life that's pleasing to the Lord? Or are you saying, I'll get right with God later. I'll serve the Lord later. I'll go on the mission trip later. I'll give the money to that cause later. Jesus said, be ready. Could we just pray just a minute and ask the Lord to help us to never, ever be deceived? Come on, pray that for yourself right now. Lord, help me not be deceived. Help me be a student of the Bible. Help me love the Bible. Help me, God. And help me, Lord, to endure persecution. Come on, put your hands on your heart just a second and say, Lord, please, I, I don't ever want to uh, 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 commit apostasy. I don't ever want to walk away because there's too much of a price to pay. I don't want to walk away if, if Christians are being martyred or murdered. or, or I don't want to walk away if Christians are losing their homes. I, I, but I need you to do something in my heart because I don't know how I would stand on that day. And I give you the right, Lord, to help me go deeper in you today. Lord, I don't want to be afraid of the future, but I want to be ready for the future. Lord, would you help me keep on loving people even though the world is getting worse? Come on, this is a big one. Ask God to put love in your heart and take the hatred out. 
Ask God to help you to forgive people that have wronged you and hurt you and taken advantage of you and lied to you. This is all about our heart. Uh, don't let me become lawless like a lawless society. Don't let me get sucked into the world just because they're appealing to me because of my, my, my race, my gender, my this, my that. Let me always be on the side of Christ. Lord, I just pray that you would help me to be someone that has a heart for lost people. Come on, pray that last prayer. Whether they're kids at school, whether they're people, strangers in the Walmart, my neighbor, my family. Lord, give me a love for the souls of people. Come on, I can't pray this for you, but you can. Say, Lord, give me a love for lost people because I know that when this gospel goes as far as it's supposed to go, the end is coming. And Lord, I want to get, I, I, I want to see you and I want you to be proud of me on that great day. And this is my prayer in Jesus' name. Hey, we're going to close with a, a final song. They'll sing one chorus. And I want to ask you, unless you just have to get out of here, just hang on till the chorus just a second. Because this is a time of the service when people are making steps to God. You see, this is not a message that you can just lump in there with Bubba's and iPhones and Razorbacks and all that kind of stuff. This is about our eternal soul. Because I want to ask everyone that's here today, are you ready? Are you ready to meet God today? And if you cannot say with absolute certainty in just a minute, we're going to offer a prayer for you that you can make a step and commit your life to Christ. The way we close our services is we have our prayer team come forward in the last song. And they're here for anyone for any need. Maybe you missed the, the earlier altar call. Maybe you're kind of shy or whatever. But listen, people are here to help you. They're not going to talk about you. They're not going to embarrass you. But they'll be honored to pray with you. Maybe it's something in this message that touched you. Maybe you've got a fear about the future. Maybe, maybe you don't have a real heart to, to win souls for Christ. But you want to ask the Lord to, to help you. It doesn't matter what it is. But if you feel God drawing you, how many know it's always good to say yes? But the most important thing you could say yes to, friend, is Christ today. There was a time in my life, in my younger life, I didn't really know it, but if I'd have died, I don't think I'd have gone to heaven, though I went to church all my life because I never surrendered my life to Christ. I was never born again. I was never saved. I never come to God for forgiveness. Friends, the way that you get ready for the coming of Christ, the starting place is by committing your life to Jesus, by asking His forgiveness and surrendering your life to follow Him. It's a defining moment in life. I did it as a young man on August 15, 1976. A Gideon had given me a Bible and basically said what I'm sharing with you today is that God has a special plan for your life, but it's up to you to take the next step. Jesus died on the cross so I, my sins could be forgiven. Because my, my heavenly Father loves me and wants me to be with Him for eternity. He's done His part, but I've got to do mine. I've got to surrender my life to Christ. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe you need God's forgiveness. Maybe you want to leave this house, church house, assured today that if you died or Jesus come back, you'd be with Him in heaven. My friend, if that's you, we want to pray for you today. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to get my life right with God. Slip your hand to heaven real quickly. We're going to pray for you this morning. Come on, give this young man a big hand. And God bless you. Others say, pray for me today. Come on, wave your hand at me with real courage. God bless you, and God bless you, and God bless you today. Others, God bless you too, sir. Say, pray for me. I want to get my life right with God. Uh, I, I don't want to do anything to miss heaven. Come on, others today. People, listen, if you can't reach out to God when people are clapping their hands, you'll never do it out in the world. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I've gotten away from God in my life. 
I've been to church all my life. I've been baptized, but I'm not living for God. I'm ready to walk away from the world and follow Christ. If that's you, come and wave your hand at me today. I, I, I know I'm a Christian. God bless you too. Give him a big hand over here. Anyone else today say, pray for me. God bless you too, dear. I'm very proud of you today. God bless you. Here's what we're going to do. All you that lifted your hand, we want to pray for you. Someone wants to talk with you. And we want to give you some things to help you live the Christian life. So you lifted your hands. I want you to just come and move out of your chair and come meet us at the cross right now. Come on, you that lifted your hands. Give them another big hand. You lifted your hands, making a step to Christ. Come on over. We're going to pray for you right now. Somebody's going to pray for you. Come on. Come on. If you need to be up here right now, let somebody pray for you. Say, I want to be sure my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm walking away from the world. I promise you, we won't embarrass you. We'll help you, friend. Come on up, let's pray for you. Our prayer team is going to make their way to the front right now. And as they're coming right now, if you need prayer for anything, come on up. If there's a turmoil in your heart, should I go up there or not? Listen, my friend, give in to Jesus. We don't want a thing from you. We're just here to help you. Prayer team, come on up. They're going to do our last song. If you need prayer, you come. I love you. Thanks for coming today. We'll see you Wednesday at 6.30 at that Christian movie night. And next week, we'll continue. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare, you're our living hope, your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love. Shame is undone. Your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come, happy to pray with you about anything but hey if not you're free to be dismissed god bless you hope you have a wonderful week let us become more aware of your